What is going on, everyone? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders. I am very grateful to have your attention, at least for the next 15 minutes of this episode. Forward Thinking Founders is a podcast where I interview pre-seed and seed stage founders about their products, what they want to build into the world, and why. We dive into how they spend their time, what's their vision, what's the origin of stories, all these things, so you can learn all about what's coming tomorrow. Because these companies haven't hit critical scale yet. Most of them haven't hit product market fit. These are just early stage companies, and the big question is, what can this be? And in this podcast, we bring that out. So with that, I really hope you enjoy your time listening to today's episode. And I've already done 200 plus, so if you like this one, listen to some of the other ones, like with Imadi Kund, Austin Allred, Leah Culver. We have great interviews, so check it out. Enjoy the repository, and for now, let's get into today's episode. Here we go. All right, how's it going, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Forward Thinking Founders, where we talk to founders about their companies, their visions for the future, and how the two collide. Today, I'm very excited to be talking to Sebastian Jimenez, who is the co-founder of Rilla Voice. Welcome to the show. How's it going? Uh, it's all good, man. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Really looking forward to diving into what you're working on. With that, uh, for people that don't know what Rilla Voice is, what are you working on? So we do voice recognition AI to capture analytics from the billions and billions of face-to-face -face conversations that happen in offline commerce between a consumer-facing employee and a customer. If you think of when you go to a Sephora and you talk to a retail sales associate, when you talk to a grocery clerk, a car dealer, a bank teller, a fast food worker, even a nurse, we found out, um, the field employees, they were a little microphone, they connected to their phone, they talked to customers like they typically do, uh, and our AI uh, captures analytics from their conversations like who the customer is, what they care about, and how was their experience. That's only like a little bit, basically like, Everything Google Analytics did for e-commerce, we are doing for the remaining 85 to 90% of commerce that still today in the middle of a global pandemic happens offline. So I'm kind of curious about the UX of this. So is it a, uh, like, do you, do you put microphones all over, all over the store? Is it like on the uh, employees, you know, uh, pieces of clothing? I guess like, if you can describe how it works, that, that would be cool. Yeah. Sure. So uh, field employees, uh, whether it's an associate or whoever's talking to customers, they wear a microphone, a lavalier microphone. They clip it on and then they connect it to their mobile phone, uh, usually either provided by their company or they have their personal one. They connect it there and then they have a little mobile app, the Rilla mobile app, and then they click that and they begin, uh, you know, they turn on the app and they turn it off when they're done with their shift. And then all that audio gets processed in the cloud and, uh, we do uh, a lot of uh, signal processing magic and uh, we turn that audio into text and then into analytics. And then those analytics are then shown to the uh, managers uh, who use our web app, who basically get like a Google Analytics dashboard, but with data from conversations. So what is a couple of key metrics that would be in this dashboard? Like obviously Google Analytics, we all know what Google Analytics is, but what, what are some KPIs that you're tracking or that they would be tracking? So it depends on the department, but we've gotten like, uh, it's four different areas. So it's uh, marketing data, it's quality assurance data, customer experience data, and uh, store operations data. I'll give you a quick example of each. So marketing data, 
understanding like retailers who have a lot of brands, they want to understand uh, what is it that's driving engagement with their different brands and brands want to understand what is it that's driving engagement with their customers offline as well as online. So if I asked you like, hey, have you ever heard of this product? And you say something like, oh my God, yes, my sister has it. We would capture that as a brand awareness equals it's positive and the source of the brand awareness is word of mouth. And then you as a brand know if 80% of my shoppers who came into the store were more likely to buy the product because they heard of it from word of mouth or from social media, then you know what marketing channels you need to optimize for in this environment. Another example I'll give you is I went to a Nike store a couple of months ago uh, when the world was a little bit different. And I asked the guy a very simple question. It was like a, it was like a 10 second conversation. I said, Hey, do you guys have cleats here? And the guy said, no. And I was like, okay, bye. And I left and I went to buy the Metadidas. Uh, in that little snippet of a conversation, we would capture that I made a product request that was out of stock. And then we would tell that to Nike and been like, Hey, uh, X number of your shoppers came in, the into the store this month into these particular stores and they asked for these particular products and this is how many sales you missed out on because you didn't have the right products at the right time for the right people so there's many examples like that but those are two big ones that last one that i gave you that's like a 300 billion dollar problem in retail which is inventory planning knowing what products to order ahead of time so yeah yeah, this is fascinating. How did you get the idea for this? Or I guess a little bit of the origin story. Why did you decide to work on this? So I graduated NYU in 2018, uh, undergrad, and I've never had a real job. I was going to do stand-up comedy <laughs> as a career. So I was like, okay, startups seem less risky than that. Let me try that. And uh, me being an immigrant and all. And so I started, uh, I started uh, uh, my first company when I graduated NYU. We got some funding from the NYU Entrepreneurial Institute. And that company that we started, it was basically a field marketing management software to power offline face-to-face -face marketing between uh, the brand ambassadors of brands who did field marketing and, and the consumers that they reached out on the streets. No, if, you, if people don't know what field marketing is, it's, um, uh, I'm sure everybody's seen the, the Red Bull kids, usually young, usually attractive. They go out to college campuses, to music festivals, to, uh, to points of sale, and they interact with consumers. They give out product and they have a little conversation and then they leave. And we were selling this very simple, very basic technology that they could collect data on a form, send it back to the cloud. We started getting some pretty, some pretty interesting clients like, like startups like GetAround and, and we got used by Cash App. And, and then we started getting CPG companies like Molson and Heineken trying out the product. We were making some pretty good revenue very quickly in 2019 with that. And, and then I started noticing, especially the CPG companies, they were spending tens of millions of dollars on consumer insights research. Um, you know, paying firms like Kantar, IRI for a focus, for a focus group on, on customer uh, interviews, uh, using Qualtrics for, for surveys, uh, for online surveys, paying firms like Sprinkler for social media analytics. And what I noticed was that they were spending a lot of money, but the data they were capturing from their consumers, it wasn't that much. They were capturing maybe like a couple hundred thousand data points alone with social media and with the other sources, it was like a couple hundred, maybe a thousand if you were lucky. And they were waiting a lot of time to capture this data. Like imagine the time that it takes you to run like an online survey, capture a bunch of responses and do the analysis. And at the same time, I noticed that these brand ambassadors, these kids who were interacting face-to-face -face with consumers in real environments, they were talking to millions of people every single month all across the country and the world. So I was like, why are we not using this data to 
inform what sort of marketing you do, what sort of products you create. Uh, like, why are you not using this gold mine of data? And the reason was we went to these events, we post as brand ambassadors, and we saw that the conversations were super insightful, but the capture process was not uh, optimal because they were using our little form builder after the event from what they could remember from the conversation. It was like an hour event. And then that's when I was like, what if there was a way to do this seamlessly? And that's when I uh, reached out to my co-founder, Michael, who's the CTO. I went to high school with him. At the time, he was working for the Department of Defense uh, as a contractor developing signal processing uh, algorithms uh, for the Department of Defense. And, uh, and he's been really you know, an expert in signal processing since he was in UM studying electrical engineering. So I asked him, basically asked him, hey, Michael, what, what is, is this? I told him the exact same thing I told you. And I said, is it possible? And he said, well, you'd have to get clever about the way you capture the audio. You have to deal with the noise. You have to deal with the multiple speakers. Uh, some people sound far away, but I mean, it's possible. I'm like, well, homie, uh, pack your bags and come to New York. We're starting this company. And that's the origin story. Uh, then we realized it wasn't only field marketing, that it was the market for the entirety of face-to-face -face conversations that happen offline. Um, but yeah, that's why, that's why it's called Brilla for guerrilla marketing, because that's how we started. Ah, that's awesome. That's a great story. Thanks for, thanks for sharing how you did. Before we started uh, recording, you, uh, we were just talking about what we were doing today and stuff, and it sounds like it was a busy day for you. I, can you kind of walk me through, I know as you're a founder, there's no average day, but the most average day that you have, can you walk through like what you spend your time on, um, what activities you do, who you talk to, um, what you get done? So uh, uh, I stay true to our brand. So I spend most of my day talking to people. And so I'm, I run a voice company, which whose fundamental assumption is that people like talking to each other. So I literally just spend my day talking to different kinds of people. So I'll give you what I did today. So today uh, I woke up like at eight. Uh, I had my first meeting with our designer today at nine. And we went through like a product design session for some new features that we're doing because I do everything that's not technical. So before we hired this designer, I was the, the one doing the web design and everything. So I had a talk with her and she's awesome. We just hired her. Um, and we were uh, going through like a bunch of features and that took us like an hour. Then it was meetings with investors uh, uh, from like 10 to 2 p.m. Then I took a little food break and then I had another meeting uh, with, uh, with a customer at, at that time, with a potential customer. And, uh, and then meetings with investors uh, there on. And then usually in the night, I like to do a little bit of design work when there's not like calls and stuff like that, or not, I'm not emailing. I like to like, go into Figma and, and doodle. I like to do like a bunch of, you know, things. Uh, I like it. So <laughs> that's what I do in the night when I'm not interrupted. And so, yeah, I basically spend my time talking to either investors or potential customers or my team. And then uh, trying to uh, understand our users and design nice stuff for them. Yeah. And I have to ask, although it's probably, I don't know if it's a touchy subject or not, but I want to I want to dive into it. With the obviously the world's changed in the last four months, people yeah. are still going to talk to each other, maybe just in a slightly different ways. I'm curious, how do you how do you evaluate what's going on macro level uh, for your business, and how do you adjust what what what's different now for you? So when this, we, when this happened, the pandemic, we were, cause we launched the, we, we started the company in October, 2019. We launched in December. 
we were experiencing some really amazing growth. We had, we went from one retailer to six in like less than uh, three months since launching. Uh, so we were getting some pretty cool traction. We were seeing some really exciting numbers. All of the hypotheses that we had, or, or a lot of them were being proven true about the business. And, uh, and then the pandemic hit and we, and all of literally all of our customers and potential customers in our pipeline had to shut down their stores, especially because a lot of them were, you know, in NYC and that was like the heartland of the pandemic. So we were like, okay, what the hell do we do now? I, I, you know, we, it was me and Michael, you know, staying, uh, we were living together at the time. So we were like, you know, took a step back, started strategizing a little bit, you know, what, like, okay, the fundamental assumption of our business is that people like going outside and, and talking to each other face to face. And that's the one thing that's not happening right now. So we took a step back and we started, you know, we started trying to see what could we do now. The, the first impulse was like, oh, let's take it online. And we were never really excited about that because we know that, you know, voice analytics for online meetings, like the ones that we're doing right now, um, that's already like a market that has very well-equipped technology to handle that sort of problem. There's Gong IO, there's Otter AI, there's, you know, for call centers, there's like call miner, there's, there's, um, there's, uh, there's a bunch of systems for voice analytics for phone calls or virtual meetings. And so we weren't really excited about that. So, and the unique part of our technology is that it's able to deal with like all the unstructured nature of a face-to-face audio where there's multiple speakers. You don't really know who's who and you have to be really clever about it. So we were excited about that. We were trying to find a market that would, you know, that would, that would, that would satisfy those requirements. And we took a step back. Retail was like iffy at the time. So we actually looked into nursing and we looked into grocery uh, and nurses. We found out that now more than ever, they need, they, they have this insane problem, which is called the handoff problem. They, they, they have to, they have to digitize in a database um, uh, every time they end a shift with a patient. They have to sit down and digitize how the patient is doing for that like a form. It's like compelled by regulation. The problem is that nurses, they work these crazy hours. They work these crazy shifts. They have to handle like six patients at the same time, uh, especially now that they're, they're swamped and they don't have time to be digitizing all this information properly. So it's a very high cost of labor to be digitizing all this stuff. It's very, and so what they end up doing is they don't end up uh, digitizing all the information accurately. Um, they end up communicating with each other word of mouth. And so it's like playing telephone with people's health because they say something to a nurse, then the next nurse says something to the other nurse. And then by the time the doctor gets here, he doesn't really get an accurate picture of what's been going on. So if you can capture this seamlessly through voice, you not only reduce the cost, you increase the accuracy, you make nurses' life a little bit easier. So that's something we were really excited about. We were doing a lot of customer discovery. One of our investors owns a lot of nursing homes. We were trying to get into some uh, nursing pilots as well, but it was difficult because of the pandemic, um, which we understood. But, and so we were researching all of that. And then something amazing happened, which is that really large retailers from all over the world started reaching out to us like right around the end of May. They started reaching out to us completely inbound. No sales, no marketing. I wasn't doing any sales or marketing at that time because I didn't want to be like, hey, do you want me to analyze the silence in your stores? Like I didn't want to do that. So it was all inbound. These really large retailers with thousands of stores, thousands of employees from like Japan to Mexico to Hong Kong to uh, Malaysia, um, and some of the United States as well. And they were reaching out to us because now, ironically, they were pre- planning to reopen. And because of COVID, because of the economic situation, now these large retailers are more incentivized than ever to try a startup like mine. 
to try to uh, make things more efficiently because now they have the pressure to do it. And so it's actually ended up being sort of like an opportunity for us more than anything. I feel like the best founders, that's kind of what the best founders do with any situation like this, you know, at all, like things happen and then you're like, great. How do we spin it to make it, I'm not spin it, but how do we like, how can we turn this into something that works for us, you know, versus the opposite. Yeah. So that's good, man. I like that. So I'd love to hear, you know, let, let's look, let's look out. Um, you know, you started this in the last, uh, last year or so, um, yeah. a little less than a year. You've made a lot of progress. Um, what would you say this company, what Real Voice looks like in a decade, or I guess in other words, what's the big vision? Um, so there's a lot of uh, companies today, a lot of people focused on voice as the next big thing uh, and the way that you interact with the, that you interact with devices. So Apple and, and Google and, and Amazon, they're, they're really, they, they think that, that they're convinced, and I think it's true, that voice is going to be the next touchscreen. And, and that's using voice uh, of like communication between humans and devices. We think that voice and conversation is the most powerful way that human beings communicate with each other. And a lot of that happens offline. Uh, and, and if you look at the amount of conversations that are being had face to face in the types of environments that I mentioned, it's like in America, by our calculations, if you take into account retail and grocery and, 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 and car dealers and nurses and bank tellers and all that, it's, it's like in the, in the tens of billions of conversations, it's data that's comparable to the amount of Google searches. And if, and in 10 years, what we want to be, we want to be as ubiquitous a solution. We want, we want this conversations being recorded for quality and training purposes to be as ubiquitous and as a universally understood message as this call is being recorded for quality and training purposes. But beyond that, we want to tap into the gold mine that is the gold mine of information that is human to human conversation and, 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 and to try to understand what it is what products people want and, and, and what services they want and, and make the economy more efficient that way. So using conversation as a way to understand what it is that people want in, in, the, in the long term. Um, yeah, that's, that's pretty much what the big picture is for us. And, and, and to, make the big, to make it happen, which is, which is, it's a big vision, a lot will need to happen, right? And you'll need some help. You, you, you'll definitely need some customers. Uh, you'll, you'll, you'll probably need some employees, maybe more investors, but, but absolutely something I'll guarantee that you need is help from the forward thinking founders community. So for my yeah. last question for you is what is an ask that you have for the community? Is there anything that you're pushing now that you need help with that someone listening might be able to help out with? Um, so we are currently fundraising, uh, our seed round. We just graduated from the entrepreneurs Roundtable accelerator. And we started fundraising uh, right after we started getting this uh, incredible inbound traction. Um, and so if anybody knows of anyone that's interested in the voice space or the intersection of online and offline, uh, would love to talk to you or to someone that you know, uh, because we are fundraising and we are fundraising pretty fast now. And for and if people wanted to learn a little more, uh, find you online. What's your URL? Are you on Twitter, LinkedIn, uh, what, personal website? How can they get? How can they find you online? Uh, you can go to rillavoice.com. That's R-I-L-L-A voice.com. Uh, you can reach out to me in my email, Sebastian at rillavoice.com, or you can find us in our e in our LinkedIn as well, uh, which is uh, rillavoice um, uh, on LinkedIn, and you'll find it. And uh, yeah, and if you're also thinking of reopening stores anywhere in America, we'd love to talk to you as well. 
All right. Well, thank you for sharing what you're working on with me and everyone listening. Super fascinating, really interesting founder. I, I think you're, I think you have a very bright future. So best of luck. And thanks again for coming on to the podcast. Thank you, Matt, for having me on, man. I appreciate it.